more energy that needs to get out and the way that I enjoy doing that is by some kind of physical activity so I remember one workout maybe it was the one with the 120 wall balls that just <laughs> goes down in my record of who does this um, but somewhere on the end of one of the workouts there was like 50 box step-ups you know after everything else we did and I was probably one of the last ones doing it still you know and I'm still doing it I'm still doing it and I remember Right at the end, Ash comes up to me and he says, how many more you got? I was like, 20. And he goes, okay. And so he does it with me, you know. He's, he's already done, and he just keeps doing it. Just to, to drive it home. And I'm just thinking, oh, Ash, you're awesome. Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. I have Johnny, Karen, and Carice on the podcast. You're going to love hearing their story. Enjoy. Well, my name's... Johnny, and I'm 47 years old. I'm married, I, my wife Karen, and I have three children. Um, for the past 19 years, we've been living in Asia, and right now we are just here in the States. We, um, Our oldest daughter is going to college, so we were coming back to send her off. And I'm Karen, I'm 48, and Johnny told you most about our family. So we've been in College Station about four months and been doing CrossFit that whole time. I'm Chris and I'm 13. And you're our youngest child. <laughs> so this is the first time that we've had a whole family, or you know, part of your family, but we've had a family on the podcast. So thank you all for doing this, coordinating the time. And I know you guys are kind of in the preparation mode to go back. So I thought this is a great opportunity to kind of get to hear your story, kind of get to hear how this you know, experience at College Station CrossFit has impacted your health and fitness and hopefully talking a little bit about what your plan is in your health going back, moving forward as you go back to Asia. So let's start with uh, you, Johnny, and give me, you know, because I've worked out with you, man, I've seen you put up some weight. So I know you didn't just start working out four months ago. This has been something you've been doing for a while. Give me a little bit of background on your working out history. Uh, well, I guess, I, so growing up, my I come from a family that's very obese. You know, my mom was 260, my dad was 400, my middle brother's 600 pounds. So we just come from a really big family. And um, somewhere probably about my eighth grade years when I was kind of looking at an old picture of me from I think sixth grade soccer picture, you know. And I just saw my, I just realized that, wow, I'm looking just like the rest of my family, you know, and I had that classic VeggieTales pear gourd <laughs> shape to me, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so that was probably like my, that moment when I said, I need to, I need to not follow the same path as the rest of my family. So at that point, um, my, my oldest brother was really into football and weightlifting. And so um, I just kind of started, I, I tried to find sports that none of my other brothers did because I, I never seemed to measure up to everybody's expectations for them. And uh, so I started taking Taekwondo when I was in middle school and early high school. And I would lift some, but more just just to add a little bit of muscle, but not really having a solid plan. Um, and so that kind of continued on through college, on and off lifting. Um, but then when we went overseas, a lot of places that we lived, they didn't have like a gym we could work out in and so um we it would vary like there'd be like little dirt 
places with a few weight plates lying around, you know, and uh, some 1970s little bench or something sitting there. Um, so <laughs> I would do some of those, or eventually I bought a set of dumbbells that we kept in our house and a few P90X videos. And so really probably the last four years when we moved to Thailand, um, there was actually a gym in town and I started lifting and I was just kind of, you know, I'm getting old and kind of wanted to just set a few strength goals for myself and just started doing more of a classic weight, uh, strength building five by five type of program and um, started progressing in that for the past three or four years. And um, then this fall when we were here, we were like, hey, I had a friend back in Thailand who started going to the CrossFit gym there and invited me to go for one month during the summer and uh it was it was a blast you know we had a great time and that was when i finally realized that okay i'm getting strong but i can't you know anything over five reps and i'm like <laughs> <I can't." laughs> you know and so that was my cardio was six reps you know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, karen yeah. give me your kind of story too from what when did working out if if, if it at some point in your life did it become something you wanted to do i think i'm very different from johnny and uh, he's, he's extremely disciplined in that he knows the goal that he wants and he sets like, I want to do this many reps of this kind of stuff and I'm different, I'm just, I have more energy that needs to get out and the way that I enjoy doing that is by some kind of physical activity. So my whole life I've been doing things but it doesn't look the same as him. Like I am not a go to the gym and pick up barbells and when they started talking about do a, a catch or something, you know, I still had to ask the teacher yesterday, now what is that again? Because I forget, that's not part of what I would do. But growing up, I played racquetball and I would do bicycling. I never did team sports. That wasn't part of my, yeah, just wasn't part of my history. But I would always do things to exercise. I enjoyed swimming. I was a lifeguard for a while. And so I would say in my adult life, again, living overseas, there's very few opportunities. We, do a, we did a lot of videos. I did a lot of aerobics yeah. videos while I was pregnant with the kids. And even after that, I, we had a basement in our, one of our locations. And we would go down, and that was the P90X season. And we would go, our insanity. Yeah. Oh Sean T. Yeah. Yes. And that was insane. Um, so we did a lot of that at 6 a.m. in the morning, insanity in the basement. Um, in Asia but I enjoy I think in Thailand I've done more swimming and yoga walking some jogging so this is new as far as the CrossFit yeah and it's really I mean when I started I was like this is so far beyond what I am capable of doing <laughs> you just have to come to the point where you go I just do what I can do and that's fine and I don't I don't know a lot about weights and I have to watch my back, and then I got a stress fracture in my foot. So the teachers have been great about working with me, and I just do what I can do. But there's always that drive for me to want to exercise physically because I like I like the way it makes me feel. I just get out my tension that way. I go through the day more calm. Um, yeah. So it sounds like there's never been this like moment you woke up and like I need to start working out. You've kind of just always recognized the need for movement. And kind of always done something. Yes. Yeah. And well, then that, well, I was going to say, yeah. I noticed about her, like if she doesn't exercise, eventually her muscles get like tight and cramped. Yeah. So that's yeah. true. She's Within like a day internally or two. motivated yeah. just to move. You got to move. And I will say, it's 
CrossFit has been a blessing because having a stress fracture and wearing a boot for eight weeks or whatever it's been, I couldn't have, if I had been at home, I could have done nothing. There, I have no, you know, no bike, no rower, no things like that. I would have been stuck doing, mm-hmm. and that would have driven me crazy. Absolutely, and the rest of my yes. yeah, yeah. Rest of my yeah. But coming here, there was always something. You can ride the assault bike. You can do the rower. You can do the skier. You can sit down and lift weights, and so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. I was glad to do that. Plus, I just enjoy working out with our family. I can yeah. encourage them, and it's great. I can encourage. Carice, tell us about you. I know uh, you started four months ago. Had you worked out much before this, or was this kind of your first experience with a program? Um, we, Dad had brought all the girls to um, CrossFit once before. So in Thailand, in Thailand, huh. yeah. So that's where I've done that. But before that, I I like doing school sports. Mm-hmm. What sports do you do at school? Um. Or did you like to do? Soccer. I did basketball, but that's too much running. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I like volleyball and futsal. And what would you say here in the last four months, what have you enjoyed about the workouts here? Oh, I really like the rope climbs and some of the deadlifts. Is it like anything that you've done in sports before? Um, I mean, there is an endurance factor to it so like in soccer we would do laps at the beginning and so that built up a lot of endurance so I just kind of use some of that during the workouts do you feel like you've gotten stronger yes you can tell mom's nodding too (laughs) what how can you tell that you've gotten stronger well when we started you and I only used the bar and we used the lightest bar Mm -hmm. there was and now you have a heavier bar and weights and I'm still on the bar by itself yeah. most of the time, but you've passed me up. You're, and it, I'll, I'll be honest, when you deadlifted a couple days ago, the teacher told me you were the best, you had the best form of the whole class. Mm. So I think there's something about that that you're really picking yeah. up on. So, you know, one of the neatest things about y'all is y'all always come together. You know, I know the ladies come Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And Johnny, you're here all, every day. Usually five days. Yeah, usually five days. So how has working out as a family, you know, you guys are very, I mean, you don't move to Asia and not be a strong family unit. I mean, that's something that, you know, I see that. It's very obvious that you guys are very strong as a family. But how would you say that the experience here, coming to class together, working out together, has kind of enhanced you guys connecting, the three of you, in in terms of your family? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like one more area in our lives that we can kind of share and now we have kind of shared, not just shared experiences, but, you know, jokes and yeah. things about or just accomplishments where, you know, um, you know, Carice was, she liked to play soccer, but she said, I want to be the goalie because they don't have to run, you know, and that was her, <laughs> yeah. her mentality. But now to see her in class and to hear her after doing deadlifts or squats and go, I really enjoyed that, you know, or to mm-hmm. just hear other types of. You know, me helping to discover who she is because this is another way to hear what's going on and what she likes. And so it's been fun. Mm-hmm. How about you, Karen? What would you say? Well, I think previous to this, Johnny and I never really did that much, not since college. We haven't really done that much working out together other than the videos, the insanity. No. And I would, <laughs> I would have to stop halfway through the video and I'd just let him continue. But... Um, I think it's fun. It's fun to see where they shine. It's fun to encourage each other. 
um, as I sit on the assault bike and I can watch y'all do the deadlifts or the squats or the whatever I can't do right now and um, to be able to be in it together and congratulate everybody when they finish and they've done a hard job and be part of that with Johnny in ways that I I have not been because I don't like necessarily going to a gym and lifting weights since mm-hmm. that isn't the thing I normally do. I would never get to see him do that. And, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, he does a good job. And, yeah. Um, Johnny, I want to kind of shift gears. You said you focused a lot on weightlifting. So you did you know reps of five. And then CrossFit, obviously, you know, the workouts vary every time. You're sometimes going to be working for 20 minutes, sometimes for five minutes at a really high heart rate. So that the the program, so the actual, you know, types of workouts that we do, how do you feel like you've benefited in your fitness just differently in the last four months opposed to kind of all those years of doing different types of workouts? Yeah, I think it's really helped me, I guess, uh, just understand that you know if if you're just training for strength I mean you can get strong but you're not necessarily fit you know and um, there's a lot more to to fitness than just trying to lift heavy and um, so it was good just coming in and and being a part of it and just realizing oh my gosh yeah I'm you know my lungs are completely gone and it's only been two three minutes into the workout you know? <laughs> Or somebody came up with this, let's do a 120 wall ball workout. <laughs> and that was only the first step, you know. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. Have you experienced some soreness a little bit differently than before? <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially like, especially my first month or so, I always would come back and it's like, my lungs are sore. I just, <laughs> just all that breathing, you know, and just trying to. How about you, Karen? What would you say in, in all the years of, you said this has kind of been a lot different from what you regularly do. How have you seen the benefit or any difference in your fitness um, compared to previous years of exercise? Well, I think one thing it requires me to do is keep going when I would rather stop. And so being in a classroom seat, I could have easily stopped halfway through most <laughs> of the workouts. Um, but to push myself to keep going I think has built some more stamina that Mm. I didn't have before Um, and yeah which has been which has been good yeah there's an awesome uh, form of peer pressure in a class because it's not forced you know it's like you don't feel like you have to but you kind of feel like you have to (laughs) you know because but when you're in a class environment and that's the cool thing about CrossFit is like you have so many different people at different stages in their fitness, ages in general, and you know it's like here's the workout, and then let's do it, and then stopping halfway is not even. I mean, you wouldn't even think to do that. You know, that's so it definitely makes you work harder and push yourself a little bit more because of the environment. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about you know when you guys moved to Asia, and what your you know how that whole decision came about, and what you you know what you're doing well um i guess we really have two different stories of how we decided to go um, they're long they're long <laughs> we're yeah. gonna do the short version <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell how you decided to um i took chinese in high school i went i was i'm from houston and back then the high school i went to had chinese which was really unusual and um, 
my grandmother kept talking to me about going over to Asia. So we come from a Christian background, and I knew I wanted to do some mission work. And um, even before I realized I wanted to do that, she talked to me about going to Asia. Um, and I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I have other plans, you know. And I think just as I kept going through college and I had different opportunities to go overseas, uh, that really caught my heart, meeting the people. and finding out that some really are spiritually interested, but they really have nobody to ask because there's not that kind of community that's there to talk about spiritual things, to talk about God. And so that I was definitely led in that direction to think about going overseas. And it was during that time that I met Johnny, one of those summers that we met actually overseas doing a summer missions trip. And yeah, so I spent some time in Europe after college doing some mission work trying to figure out where in in the world specifically that I wanted to end up and he knew he was going to Asia so eventually we both decided that we were going to Asia so so how did yeah. you know Johnny that you were going to go to Asia yeah so for me um yeah I didn't become a Christian until I was like 14 near the end of my uh, freshman year in high school uh, my senior year that I really was, I was kind of going through that phase of life where you're just kind of saying what am I going to do with my life what do I want to study what do I want to go to college um, just the idea the thought of you know I've never really thought of being a missionary you know um, so I'm like huh so I decided okay Lord I tell you what I'll give you a summer of my life and you can do with it what you want you know and and at the time I was like so let's find like a really hard classic missionary experience and I was like, who takes a 19-year-old kid on a, I guess maybe I was 18, 19, on a missions project? You know, so I found a group that would take teenagers, and I signed up, and it was like this living in Brazil in the Amazon rainforest and tents and bathing in rivers and cleaning your clothes on a rock kind of thing. And I remember, uh, you know, at the end of the summer, I was like, that was a really hard experience, but there was just something really rewarding about it. And I came back, I talked with all my friends who had stayed that summer and after their, and just heard their experiences. You know, what did they do? Some guys told me about how they got a job and uh, how it was going to look good on their resume and you know, some of the money they made and some of the things they bought with their money. Um, some friends who took college classes for the summer and how they got a jump on their education and things like that. And I just remember at the end of the summer thinking, you know, all those things were very normal, and I was really excited for some of the things I got to do, you know. Uh, but I just realized that what I had a chance to be a part of that summer was going to impact people's lives for eternity. And I was like, huh, okay, Lord, well, um, I'm open. I wasn't sold. I needed to be a missionary or anything, but I went off to Texas A&M and started studying computer science and got involved with the student group. And we had the speaker come that said, hey, we have... Uh, a summer missions opportunity for people to go to East Asia and study the language or actually teach computer science to other students and then in the afternoon just share about your relationship with Christ with them and there's probably like 300 people in the room and I was just like okay Lord why shouldn't I go is there any good reason I shouldn't go and you know I had nothing so I just I signed up I said okay Lord just here's another summer let's try it up at that point, I had no specific heart for Asia. I like Chinese food, you know, but <laughs> that was it. You know, egg rolls and 
fortune cookies, but apparently those aren't actually Asian. Um, but I had a chance to go. I went a couple summers, and I'd say one of the key turning points for me was one summer I had met a student, and uh, when I first arrived, we got to know each other. I call him Wally. Uh, his his Asian name sounded a lot like the name for the Great Wall, so I just called him Wally. And um, we kind of hit it off. He would take me around town, show me all the sights. You know, we'd sit down and have a bowl of noodles by the burning trash can on the side of the road kind of thing. And took me to all the new kung fu movies that were coming out on campus. And, you know, we just really enjoyed each other. And um, But every time I would start talking about my relationship with Christ, um, he was kind of like, well, that's nice. That's good for you. But, you know, we're, we're atheist and I'm not that interested. So it was kind of like back and forth. We just keep hanging out that summer. And finally, about a week before we left, I was, um, I knew he had a test he was already studying for. And so I was just going to go by his room and say goodbye. And um, that night, somehow God had used a conversation about intellectual property rights and computer software piracy to just really drive home to Wally this idea that he has sin in his life. And that night we just kept talking back and forth how there's examples of sin in his life, there's examples of sin in my life, there's examples of sin in his culture, and there's examples of sin in my culture. And the question was, how do you deal with sin in people's life? You know, and we'd go through all the normal um, ideas they had about wealth and education and all these things, and ultimately it just came down to you can only deal with sin by removing it, and you can only remove it through the person of Jesus Christ. It was almost like the light just kind of turned on for Wally. And every day he would come back to me with a new question. You know, he'd come back and say, well, now, how can you believe in both science and miracles? How can you believe in a God you can't see, feel, taste, or touch? You know, question after question. It was clear that he wanted to know more. And Saturday came and rolled around. And, you know, the bus was outside. He came over to my dorm to say goodbye. And. I pick up one bag, he picks up the other, and as we're walking out of the door, he just kind of stops and he looks at me and he goes, when you leave, who do I ask my questions to? And I just remember at that point, it's like, you know, Lord, I want to be one of those people who can be here to answer questions for people like Wally, who actually want to know more about Christ and that literally live in a place where they absolutely have no idea who they could ask. Um, so that's when I decided, yeah, this is where I want to spend at least part of my time, Lord, just let me be one of those people who could be there for him. And so, Obviously that story, man, is incredibly moving. And, you know, you shared, prior to sharing that story, you shared how you're able to make an impact on people's lives for eternity. Mm-hmm. So can you give me a little bit more of what that means maybe just in your eyes or, you know, so if somebody listening maybe could understand what you mean by that? So I think I think that's it. When I think about, you know, what's really going to last out of our lives, you know, the things, you know, our houses we buy or the things we accumulate, you know, all these things, um, there's an end to them, you know. But, you know, as I read the Bible, I read the scriptures, I realize, you know, it's the word of God and the souls of men last forever. And if I have a chance to somehow invest my life in those things, um, those, that's what's going to last. 
So one of the things that kind of motivates me, I think, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I got a job as a lifeguard. And uh, you know, at the time, I was like, man, people can pay me to look at beautiful women in bikinis all day. And I was like, how did I not think of this sooner? You know? But I live in a small town, Bernie, Texas. And um, the reality of being a lifeguard in the summer in Bernie, Texas is you're really uh, an overworked, underpaid baby child care sitter. There was no rule that parents had to stay with their kids. So at a pool, why did we do that? I don't know. But what that meant was, you know, at the beginning Far of the summer... Far from what you thought it was. Yeah, it's like all these women were like six years old. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. But, um, you know, so what would happen at the beginning of the summer, you know, parents are ready to get their kids out of the house and they would take them to the pool and drop them off. They'd come back three or four hours later and pick them up. And at first the kids were all like, this is a blast, it's a pool, Woo, they're having a great time, you know, and after the first week they're like okay yeah we're still hanging out by the end of the second week you know these guys are bored and they're just coming here every day and so like the biggest um, thing to keep them occupied all day was like how mad can we make the lifeguards you know and you got the kids who thought they had it where they could pretend like they're not sitting on the ropes but actually be standing on it and just like hey get off the ropes I'm not on the ropes you know and just you know <laughs> all that kind of thing where you're just like it's just ah you guys are killing me. Uh, but some kids, you know, you'd have the kids who would run. And there was this one kid. He had his running down. He knew he could where he could start at one end of the pool and start running down the concrete. And how much time he had before we could notice, you know, blow the whistle and call him out. Then he'd jump into the water, right? And as long as he's under the water, when the whistle blows, he's fine, right? That's kind of the, the game. So all that to say is we had this one kid, and that was him. He was the runner. And um, I remember one day... He was doing it. He did his thing, started running down, and as soon as I get to blow, he jumps in. But this time he mistimed and he jumped into the deep end. And he was right below my stand, you know. And it was one of those moments where he's, he comes in, he's underwater, and he's trying to swim up, but he doesn't know how to swim. And everything he does is actually just pushing him deeper and deeper into the water. You know, and at first he's, he's doing it, then all of a sudden there's a certain look of panic that comes over his face when he's a little kid, but he realizes, oh my gosh. I'm going down, man, I'm, I'm in danger. And I'd like to say as a lifeguard, I jumped in right away, but you know, <laughs> like, oh, okay, Lord, do I, okay, yeah, I need to. But you know, there was that moment as he's continuing to kick himself down and just as a lifeguard, you jump in and you just pull him back up. And he's got that moment of where he goes from, I know I'm dead, I mean, that's, I'm dead. And all of a sudden I've been brought to life. and that something just changed in the heart of that kid. From that day on, you know, we never had to tell, tell him how to obey the rules. He just did it. Hmm. You know, he was like the, the kid telling the other kids, hey, hey, get off the ropes. You know, um, he'd be out there and just go, hey, do you need anything to the lifeguards? You know, hey, you want me to go get something? And, um, you know, we're all looking at each other going, who's this kid? Is this the same kid that was here at the beginning of the summer? And uh, one day I'm sitting in lifeguard and you, you, know, you get bored and you just kind of fling your uh, whistle around on your finger, you know. And one day my whistle just shoots right off my finger up and over the fence out into the field where there's the like knee-high grass and stickers and um, all the fire ants out there. 
And without, yeah, I'm just sitting there looking without saying anything. This kid just takes off and runs, leaves the, um, you know, leaves the pool area, goes through all the gravel and the stickers and stuff, and just goes and gets my whistle. And I remember God just using that picture of that kid in my life to say, you know, this, this is what the Christian life is. It's, um, it's about gratitude, you know. The day is gonna come when, you know, I know I'm going to die and I'm going to enter into the presence of God. And at that moment, I think I'll finally understand uh, how heinous my sin is. You know, just in the presence of the mighty God, I'll finally get how ugly my sin is and what I've done and just how I deserve punishment. But instead of seeing the face of a judging God, I'm going to see Christ who's going to extend a nail-scarred hand toward me and just say, I've been waiting for you. Mm. You know, the only thing that's really going to matter to me on that day is how this Christ who saved me gets the glory he deserves. So, like that little kid, it's, you know, that's what becomes the most important thing about my life now. I can live my life in a way that he gets the glory that he deserves. So because of your, you know, life, basically 25 years spent over there, and you come home, I, I don't know how often you guys come back, but here you've been for four months before you go home. So how how is a, your season in College Station, you know, is it is it a season of recharging is it a season of i mean do you still work it will say on mission or you know is life look incredibly different from what it does over there outside of obviously the restaurants and <laughs> the <laughs> housing but you know is this yeah give me a little bit whoever feels best to answer that question okay well i can tell you what it's not i remember someone a few years ago who said right before you we went back, well, I guess it's the end of your vacation. And I thought, oh my gosh, if this is a vacation, I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> so it's for us, it's not a vacation. It's a change of where we're at and the type of work that we do. So there is some recharging in there. It's just not, it's not six months of recharging. Because part of what we do while we're here is we connect with all the people that support us. And we have several churches that support us. So actually, Often on the weekend we're traveling and we're going to different churches and speaking in those or answering questions, mm -hmm. giving a presentation about what's going on in Thailand. And then while we're here in College Station, we're meeting with individual families that support us to get one-on-one -on -one, you know, time with them. Mm -hmm. And so that is very, very fun, but that is our work. And yeah. it does take preparation and it's travel and things like that. So. In addition, Johnny, at the very beginning, was still doing part of his job overseas. He was finishing up um, the computer stuff that he does for the ministry. And then after that, we do raise all our own support. So part of that is meeting with new people mm -hmm. and new churches and seeing if they're interested in joining with us uh, financially for the ministry. And then in the meantime, I'm still running a household. So right. Carice is homeschooled, and so we do school during the day. And my parents live in Houston, and they are in terrific health. So I've traveled back and forth to help them. Mm -hmm. And then we do have a daughter in college who we try to be there for. And we have a middle daughter in high school who's actually had quite a few health issues. So 
a lot of my fall has been trying to help her Take see care. doctors. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of doctors and yeah. So for at least for this time around, that's what it's looked like. But all your children were born in Asia or? No, the Carice was born in Singapore. And so she's actually only one. The other two, we came back to have okay. them here. So we'd come back for, I think each one of them was about six months. We came back, had the child, recuperated a little bit, and then went back. I think yeah. Faith was nine weeks old or ten weeks old when we went back. Chris, how's it been for you kind of living your whole life there and growing up and um, just hearing your dad's heart right now and just sharing that? I'm sure you know it, so it's nothing you haven't heard before, but kind of in, in your 13 years of life, like how does this impact you? Well, uh, in East Asia... We did a lot of homeschool all the time, though I had some like kind of a disability with schooling, so I was kind of angry a lot of the time. But I did make some really good friends there, and like you know, just the different places, all the cultures are different. So like then we moved to Thailand, and we started uh, international school. So. That was a change. Like here, we have like now set hours of like when this class is and that class, and then you have to like go to school for seven hours, and then you have homework. And then. So that was a really big change. What's been your favorite place to live? Um, that's really hard. I don't know. Like I really liked East Asia because of some like the really great people we had there, but I. It's kind of like I don't really want to go back right now because everyone's already left. So there would only be like one family that I know there. I think relationships. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Friendships. Yeah. And so uh, your older sister's in college, so she's not going back with y'all. So, so it'll just be the four of you. Yeah, good thing you pulled out the Kleenex. <laughs> so better not talk to me too much about that. Oh. Ooh, that's a hard one. Oh, I bet. So going back now in, in a few weeks and kind of taking this last four months and, and the workout component and health component, what, you, what do you think you guys' lives will look like in terms of your health and fitness different from any time that you've ever gone back before? Or, or will it? Or is it going to be kind of the same? P90X in the basement? Or is there going to be more consistency? <laughs> is there going to be more consistency in your workouts? Nutrition, is it going to look any different? Yeah, I'm actually trying to see, think through. It's like, when does that other CrossFit gym in town open again? It's, it's the times in the morning aren't real convenient. And it's not close to us. It's not close to us, you know, so. So anybody who wants to come start a CrossFit gym in Chiang Mai, Thailand on the south side of town, please Welcome come. You. Yeah. Yes, we need that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to keep doing it if I could I think uh, I just like the, the much rounder aspects of, of fitness and not just focusing on strength though there's a gym real close to us so it's like that's easy I can keep mm-hmm. doing that but uh, yeah and may, we talked before like during the summers maybe taking the kids and doing it together again as a, mm-hmm. as a family yeah um, has y'all's nutrition changed at all this fall or have you have you eaten a little bit healthier or paid attention to what you're doing in your diet? Oh, America's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's easier to eat healthier overseas than it is here. Yeah. Especially everybody's like we, we always go out to eat. People yeah. do things over meals, right? So yeah. like, hey, 
Look at that! All you can eat chips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mexican. More food. challenges here, Pizza probably. Yeah. 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 There are a lot of challenges here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. Or even the sizes of portions in the states. That's what. You know. That's yeah. what Amazes us too. It's like, okay, really, this much food on one plate. I so, what's your way. usual eating like back where y'all were living prior to coming back? Um, very what I would call clean eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do most of my shopping in an outdoor market. You know, you've got the fish, the chicken, the not so much beef. It, the beef looks really bad if mm. they even have it, but pork, um, fresh vegetables, a few seasonings, but not very much processed food. Mm-hmm. There just isn't, isn't yeah. that. So yeah, so it looks a lot more like that. We're here, it's so easy to walk into H-E-B and go, gosh, they have the Alfredo socks already made <laughs> up, wow. I wonder what's in that. Hmm, well, we'll buy it anyway. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. it's a lot harder. Donuts on every aisle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Actually, Johnny's done really well. He's low-carbed it the whole time we've been here, and he's really stuck to it. But um, there's... Yeah, I, I, I actually feel like it'll be easier. Like, you'll probably get more dialed in on your eating when you get back, kind of back in a routine. So. I think so. Yeah. Is there a like? Is there an estimated time when you guys will come back, or is this kind of next trip and then you just kind of plan? I hope in two years. No, <laughs> come back. She wants to make a visit. Oh, do you mean come back for good or? No, just, just come back and 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 kind of do what you two did. Two years. This, yeah. She wants to. Yeah. I, so that's a possibility. We could come back in a couple summers. Yeah. We'd probably just do a summer. Yeah. Which is normally what we do anyway. Just yeah. a couple months. Um, our middle child graduates from high school in three years. So that would be an opportunity to mm-hmm. again maybe come back for a longer period of time if we put if we did the high school with Carice for homeschool or something, mm-hmm. um, yeah, or any time that my parents may need us to be back for longer. So yeah, yeah probably two to three years we'll come back. You know, one of the things that I always think of whenever I think of people who are missionaries. You know, there's a family from our church that actually went in 2011 to Uganda and uh, pretty much felt called, you know, sold their house, had three little kids and actually has adopted a fourth or tried to adopt two other ones since then. And um, they, I went and visited them in 2012 and like the thing that just comes to my mind is sacrifice, you know, especially, you know, being there. And now at the time I w- we were pregnant with my first child. Now she's five and a half, but I didn't have kids. Um, but now I know a lot more about being a parent, having three little kids and just the, you know, just a ton of sacrifice. And, you know, you guys obviously feel very called to do what you do, but <clears throat> You know, is there ever a time in your mind that you feel like you're sacrificing or is like what you're doing so awesome in the, you know, the so clear to you that it's like you don't even think about that? I think, well, anytime you've been doing something for 19 years, there's a lot of variety as far as how you feel. Um, So I just think about the times that we have come back to the States and where my heart's been when I get back on the plane to go back to wherever we where you're living at the time. Um, sometimes it was like, okay, I'm excited. This is, we are going, this is great. The Lord's doing so much. We're in a good place. And I get on and we go. And there's other times that I think, eh, well, 
I could take it or leave it, you know? Life is good here, life is good there, or life is equally kind of so-so either place, um, but we're going. And then there have been times where it's like, I do not want to get on this plane. Everything in me says stay. And yet I know that at those moments, at that time, we were to go. So you put one foot in front of the other and you get on the plane and you go. Mm. And so I think um, every day is, is different. Some days I don't even think about it. And honestly, for the most part, I don't feel like we sacrifice that much. I feel like most of what we sacrifice is convenience, which is just, nah. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that much in the end. When you're talking about things of eternity, spiritual things, when you're talking about things of the heart, people's lives. What's a dishwasher? I mean, you know, and so those things I could easily leave. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I say the things that are hardest to sacrifice are the relationships. So both Johnny's parents have died while we've been overseas. Um, that's difficult. That's really difficult. My parents are not in great health and we don't see him that much. And that's that's the hard part. The hard part of my kids growing up away from their grandparents, away from that family aspect. You yeah. know, and I appreciate you sharing that. And the reason I ask is because I feel like a lot of people, myself included, that, you know, go to church and love the Lord and sometimes hear some people talking about going overseas. But it's so easy to just not truly understand you know the things that they've chosen, right? That they that they're choosing in making that decision, and, and I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And hearing the story of just Wally, and I'm sure if we kept going, we could hear lots more in the 19 years and uh, counting that you guys are doing. Um, I do want to ask that if somebody listening does want to support you guys, like maybe they really feel like just hearing you guys share what you're doing and. Um, the difference y'all are making and how do they do that? Um, the easiest way, um, you know, we we work with crew and uh, there's a website that people can go on to, just put in our little account number and could actually support us that way. And I think the, the benefit of us working for a large organization like crew is that it, it's very easy. You can do everything online. If you don't like checks, then they just have a way you can give right online as long as you know our account number that we can give to you mm -hmm. to pass on. And it's tax deductible. Mm -hmm. So especially towards the end of the year, we have several people that that's kind of, as they look through their budget, they go, oh, you yeah. know, I'd like to use this money to tithe for some of the Lord's work. And so, yeah. or, yeah. So awesome. Thank you. So, and I'll be sure to connect add the link and if anybody is interested I, I, I want them to reach out to me so I can give them the info yes and we have a newsletter that we send oh, out good. so if people even if they don't want to give I mean we're we're not pressure kind of people that say you know you really need to you know commit yeah. to this financially yeah. if people just want to hear also about what the Lord is doing and what's going on then we're happy to send them a newsletter. So maybe if you don't mind being yeah. a contact person Absolutely. for that, Absolutely. Uh, then they can. I'll just put them on the list and we can keep up that way. Yeah. And occasionally give out these little magnets you put on your refrigerator. <laughs> so, <laughs> you pray for. so I have to share this story. So it was so funny. You guys have been in our refrigerator for probably six months before you stepped foot in the gym. And my daughter 
loves y'all's family. We had like four of y'all's magnets that I guess they handed out at Grace one day, maybe sometime. And uh, so we, and we actually, it's just such a neat story because when you guys did come to the gym and I think it was either the name or the, you know, the faces. And then finally I told my wife, I said, Babe, they are working out at our gym. <laughs> and I think this so, is like after a month oh, or so. Oh, yeah. Yes, at least I think. It was so good. We're on our fridge. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was awesome. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, last, uh, I want to close it out, you know, and each person can say something, maybe something little or whatever you feel led to say. You've kind of touched on this, but, you know, the title of the podcast is Building Better People. And that's something that we'll, we'll say is, the thing that keeps us going at this gym is that's what leads all of us to work really hard to make an incredible environment and experience for every person that walks through these doors is because we know that people working out and being healthier or taking care of the health makes them a better version of them. How would you say that that's true for you? How does you coming in at eight o'clock, whether it's as a family or individually, or even we'll go for, as far back as before you came to the gym, just working out and moving and exercise. How does that make you a better version of you? And you can answer in any order you want. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking that uh, one of the things I've liked as I've been here this fall and been kind of doing the workouts and so on, I've just kind of I don't know if this is like CrossFit in general or really the community you guys are building here, but I feel like you guys are really good at helping to change our internal conversations. What I mean by that is, um, yeah, I had mentioned that little aha moment I had back when I was in eighth grade. You know, I looked back at my sixth grade self, that little photo, and said, man, I am not going to be like this. And even though on the outside that really motivated me to make healthy changes in my life internally it's really kind of born out of this I don't like this sixth grade kid that I see in myself um, I hate that he's weak I hate that he's overweight I it's just like this internal self-loathing almost that is the energy behind the outer changes I want to make and even over the years, even though I may be getting more fit and more active and it's like I'm doing positive things internally, it's just a negative conversation that's driving that, you know? And no matter how fit I get, other people may think, wow, you've really made great changes. But internally, if I look in the mirror, I don't see the changes. I see that sixth grade kid that I, I despise, you know? And... Um, so I think a lot of times, at least in my own history, that's been the, uh, the driving force behind a lot of my physical fitness and exercise. Um, and over the years, I think, you know, God's been doing a great job just bringing that to the surface. But what I've liked my experience here is that you guys help change that conversation away from, oh, I don't like me, so I just want to look better. You know, let's just go look better and exercise to, oh, you know, one of these days I really want to climb that rope, you know, and I thought it would take me all fall before I could even climb that rope. And then one coaching session with Selena and boom, I'm halfway up the rope. And I'm like, this is awesome. I climbed the rope, you know, <laughs> and it's away from, oh, I don't like myself to, hey, I just climbed the rope. And it's like this little bing plus one 
awesome. Positive. Oh, the conversation changes into a healthier. Oh, what? Maybe I could do a muscle up one of these days, or let's just focus on doing a pull up first. And, you know, maybe if I can get that. And so it's a much healthier conversation to start feeling the internal motivation for fitness rather than it coming from the negative side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've, I don't know if it's just the workouts or the way you guys are set up, but the community also that you guys have here is just great. Uh, and the way that the community comes behind you to support you in that. I remember one workout, maybe it was the one with the 120 wall balls, that just <laughs> goes down in my record of, who does this? Um, but somewhere on the end of one of the workouts, there was like 50 box step-ups, you know, after everything else we did, and I was the, probably one of the last ones doing it still, you know, and I'm still doing it, I'm still doing it. And I remember right at the end, Ash comes up to me and he says, how many more you got? I was like 20, and he goes, okay. And so he does it with me, you know, and he's, he's already done, and he just keeps doing it, just to, to drive it home. And I'm just thinking, oh, Ash, you're awesome. I mean, that's what the community, that's like, we don't leave anybody behind. We can do this together, and we support each other. And so, Ash is my hero. That's awesome. How about you, Karen? Gosh, nothing that profound. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think I I enjoy being with the people who are here. I feel like rubbing shoulders with, especially some of the other women in class, has been really good, being able to encourage each other. There's a couple women that are just great encouragers, just really good about um, keeping on, you know, just having you, you can do it, you can, and counting down with you towards the end, and uh, I... I think just working on in general, how does it make for a better me? Oh, I think it changes my whole perspective on the day. Like sometimes I just get so harried or so all that responsibility feels like it's weighing on my shoulders. And if I can just go do some kind of workout in some way, it it takes some of that away, you know, mm-hmm. just... I go through the day calmer. I'm not, my family's more thankful because mm-hmm. I'm not letting it out on them. It's yeah. going to come out somewhere. <laughs> all that energy and all that stress is coming out. And to aim it for something like a run or mm-hmm. those pull-ups that I can't do or the, <laughs> you know, whatever, that's a much more constructive way and has physical benefits. And doing it in community is, is really great. It's awesome. Carice, how would you say? Uh, I was just going to say that it you know, gets my energy out and I can then focus on school better. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Which actually is something that we learned when you did go through yeah. so many challenges before, that that actually is a big difference for you. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I said, one, I said this was, that was the last question I got. <laughs> Very last question. How can College Station CrossFit pray for you guys? Pray for us as we leave our oldest daughter in university. Um, I she is doing really well. Mom's so, having a harder time. I was gonna say. I think <laughs> what she needs to do is pray for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure a lot of moms can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to leave your kid at college if it's 
200, yeah. even 2,000 miles away. But it's another thing to go 10,000 miles hmm. and whatever she tells you. I mean, even if I dropped everything and ran to the airport right away, I wouldn't get here for another 30 hours. Yeah. I mean, you know, so just that kind of, yeah. So just pray yeah. for that. Her, her adjustment, her name's Naomi. She is doing really well, so I'm awesome. thankful for that. I've never seen her be this hyper, like, interactive <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> she is. She's made friends, and she's at Rice, so yeah. she's enjoying it. I would say that's one big thing. Um, can I just say the family thing? Yeah. The other thing is our middle daughter, Faith, uh, has had an okay semester. And she did a great job working her way into consolidated high school when she'd never been to a high school that big to plop into America and walk into a public high school. But she's had a lot of health issues. And so these last few weeks, it's two and a half weeks till finals and she's missed a lot of school. She has a lot to make up. And she just really needs something, something supernatural, I think, to work so that she can actually finish her classes and get credit. It's just so her health that she can go to school and her ability to make that up. So that's the family front. Mm. I don't know if there's other things you have. Um, yeah, I'd say those are probably the direct things that impact us. Um, uh, one of our ministry projects right now is there's a number of children's homes in North Thailand we're trying to keep open so that they can stay licensed and so you can just pray for that project. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes well. We have about three thousand kids. We like to keep keep in their homes. So it's specifically for kids who are pulled out of trafficking situations and then given a new home. Um, but they they have some administration things that they have to do that Johnny's trying to help with to let them stay open because if they don't stay open, then there's nowhere for those children to go other than probably be fed right back into the terrible mm-hmm. situations where they. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.